0: trying to get on Facebook on your way to work.
1: That's true. Hello, everyone.
0: Greetings. Welcome to the home of professional podcasting.
1: <laughs> Rich is back. Suzanne is not joining me. Her voice did not just suddenly get deeper. Yeah, uh, the
0: podcast got too popular, so Stacy brought me
1: back. <laughs> our our, our uh, analytics just shot through the roof last week. So uh, welcome back, Rich.
0: Wow. Well, so excited back. to be back. I can um, I can almost see you if I turn my head.
1: It's you know, probably so. best that you don't. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you're back. But you were not back this Sunday. Well, you were, you were here physically present. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, that's, that's I'm assuming you were mentally present as well. But you um, you did not preach this Sunday. We had a guest preacher, uh, Reverend Dave Dehan, from, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of his church um i
2: am part of oh, calvary <laughs> baptist church in elgin, <laughs> elgin Welcome,
1: illinois calvary baptist church in Elgin, Illinois. dave is here he introduced himself yeah. <laughs> thank you dave for oh, saving me there uh so yeah that's dave... good because
0: i was i was about to say calvary baptist and i got super nervous that i was gonna get it wrong and i'm like
1: oh no <laughs> it's because you missed a week now you're all nervous <laughs> guys you got to realize how
2: exciting it is for me to be on a podcast. Well, <laughs> I'm ready to that's... jump in. I thought that was the lead in.
1: No, no, I'm no, glad no, though cuz awesome. you cuz you, res- you rescued sweet. me. You rescued me from making an idiot of myself more than I usually do. But so thank you. Good. Dave is here joining us. He uh preached on Sunday here at Real Life and he is joining us BSL um because he is actually sitting on a not on a lake right now but in front of a lake <laughs> you don't so know that he might be he might <laughs> be on the lake i don't know um so welcome dave thanks for thanks for taking time out of your morning to join us
2: absolutely really really appreciate the opportunity to, to preach among the folks at Real Life Community on Sunday, and I guess I did do a podcast one other time with you all, and it was a lot of fun. So um, glad to be back.
0: And you finally got your podcast traffic. mug too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it only took us what a year, no, right? Six something months, like that, something yeah. like that. So.
2: So, that, that's way that's way above average for me so, uh, <laughs>
1: again another reason to be just psyched out of my mind this morning <laughs> i don't know that i'm psyched out of my mind about anything about at eight in the morning but good for you
0: <laughs> she says that she's been up for hours i have
1: it's true um i'm gonna you need to move in a little more because all we're seeing is patch but <laughs>
0: well, that's more than i'm seeing so. okay
1: so anyway um It's
0: hard because you're on that side where I can't quite see you. Do you want to switch sides? So I don't want to like physically be slammed up against you. you
1: (laughs) Do you want to switch sides? No, we're good. All right. Anyway, um, Dave, I uh, was really grateful to hear from you again this Sunday. And what I, I think I've talked about this a few times on the podcast before. I always get really excited when people talk about or preach about passages and scriptures that are so well known. Um, because I think it's important to sometimes take a deeper look at those things because I think it's easy for people to just learn how to recite them or have a certain idea in their mind about what they mean and then just kind of forget about it like that's just something we recite that's just something we repeat that's just you know and so I think even even non-believers are aware of Psalm 23 and probably can say at least some of it so right. to take a deeper look at that um i really appreciated you doing that and i think you you're i'm gonna forget what you said exactly but i think you said even it's been x amount of years since you've uh preached about it or or, or really dove into it
2: yeah and i i appreciate your perspective stacy <laughs> because my perspective is probably a little bit different that- psalm 23 is so
1: familiar mm-hmm. uh, right. people are, are so they know this that they,
2: they they we recite it we say it at funerals uh i think i mentioned said something to the effect of you know even if you're not a believer didn't grow up in the church right you probably can recognize some sure. of the lines of psalm 23 because it's still
0: especially bad. from funerals yeah
2: right yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's well known in our culture and so you know this is probably says more about me than anything else but for that reason, like not that excited to preach on it. I actually <laughs> had preached on it before earlier this summer at another church, and that pastor had, had a, basically assigned me the passage because mm-hmm. they were working through Psalms, and, and he gave me Psalm 23. I'm like, oh boy, this is, everybody knows Psalm 23. Right. What am I going to, I mean, that that's just a lack of faith and a lack of confidence in God's word to say, what am I going to tell people about this passage? Well, obviously, we, we can't ever get to the, to the bottom of the riches of any passage of scripture, much less one that is right. so glorious.
0: Yeah, the and word of an infinite God is not going to run out of material for us. So that's, right. that's a pretty important thing. You know, it is interesting that you say that, though, because it, as as a preacher, when you come across those familiar passages, especially if you've preached them before, but but any of these really familiar passages, it's very easy um, to kind of fall into the trap of preaching your previous understanding of that. So you end up preaching from the framework more than anything else. And so, you know, as we've talked about, uh, you and I a lot, as mentioned Sunday, and and I'm sure we talked about it previously on the the podcast. Uh, Dave uh, is, uh, I forget the exact title, but you're uh, basically a a director here in the US uh, for World Partners. Partners. What's your official title there, Dave?
2: Yeah, so with Word Partners, I, I have two titles, which sounds impressive, but isn't. Uh, I'm director for church partnership, so I, I work with churches like Real Life, and uh, in terms of their uh, partnership in uh, supporting the work and uh, the work that we're doing around the world in the 63 countries, mm-hmm. training pastors to preach God's word with God's heart. But one of those countries is. The good old U.S. of A. Mm. and I am a, a program director for our work here in the U.S. Hmm.
0: Well, I, as someone who's been personally impacted by that, I appreciate it. Uh, what you guys do here uh, domestically through Fellowship of the Word and and being able to get the materials out uh, is particularly helpful. And uh, you weren't in that position, I believe, when when I first started in Fellowship of the Word uh, was it five years ago or something? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, been
2: with word partners for four years now. I was uh, a pastor serving three different churches in the Chicagoland area for about 15 years, uh, before that. And when I started, I started with in the role of director for church partnership, working with our partner Mm -hmm. churches and, uh, but as a pastor, as a minister of the word <laughs> just yeah. love the work we do that's that's why i i wanted to serve with this ministry in the first place so i, I just kind of weaseled my way <laughs> into the whole training side of things and and well, once once i got in they kind of you know couldn't get rid of me and, and so that but by god's grace that role has expanded so I'm I'm helping to facilitate uh several of the groups that we have going on around the US and then more recently am working uh with our senior leadership to help shape uh the mission and, and how we're shaping the work in the US, which we didn't really set out to do. Yeah. Um yeah. Partners has been around for 50 years. Hmm. Like a lot of ministries or parachurches, it's, it it has morphed over the years in about I would say twenty. Or so years ago, this focus on training pastors really came came to the fore, and we really got sharp uh, in terms of, of what we do. But it was international. Mm. You know, we had seen the need for serving pastors internationally. Uh, there's a statistic out there that says that 85 percent, 85 percent of the almost three million pastors, Bible believing pastors in the world around the world, have received little or no formal biblical theological training, which doesn't mean they haven't received any training at all, but they haven't been to Bible college, or they certainly haven't been to seminary. Right. And so they're just kind of slogging it out and plugging away, and they don't have access to it. Right. Uh, just where they live or their life circumstances just will, will never allow for it. Uh, so we go to them and train them in small groups and disciples them and say, y- you have God's word, you have God's spirit, Let us help you with the methodologies for studying the text. And you can have great confidence. If you're you're never going to go to seminary, that's okay. Because it's it's God's word by his spirit Mm -hmm. that's going to do the work. And we're going to come alongside you to to help you minister the word to your people. And first of all, really to be transformed uh, by it yourself.
0: You know, and and as you are, are saying that globally, you know, that to see the work that's going on here domestically, where there's lots of opportunity. I mean, we've got all kinds of seminaries and Bible colleges here, and yet not everyone has access to those for financial reasons right. and any number of other reasons. But just the inconsistency in uh, Bible colleges and seminaries, the, there is a, a, there's an abundance of unsound teaching. And even where we have theologically sound schools, um, the teaching uh, on just how to exegete the word, how to interpret it uh, rightly and consistently with, with sound hermeneutical principles is so inconsistent that um, what, when we got together, you were, we were probably, I, I'm going to guess a year and a half or so in uh, when you came in and sat in on our cohort in Lansing.
2: Uh, and when we
0: first started that in the book of Jonah and the Taste and See session, um, everybody gathered there. There were probably... 12 to 15 of us at the time, and and some made it all the way through the four years and and some did not. But uh, as we were going through that, um, everybody there was committed to the Word. I mean, there there was nobody in the room that didn't already believe that God's Word was sufficient, uh, that it's infallible, and and it's authoritative uh, for our, our life. Everybody believed in the idea, at least in theory, of expositional preaching. But I was shocked at probably the majority of of the room had not received this type of teaching. Even the ones that went to seminary, uh, and, and some of them, you know, had had gone to Bible college and seminary. Uh, you know, I I had a, a liberal arts uh, organizational management degree before seminary, so you know, didn't go to Bible college but most of the guys in the room hadn't received this these principles the idea of you know, of how we go about it and I don't want to spend the day on that I would, I'd like to spend the day on this sermon but uh, it, it is super important I, I, I think we really underestimate just how important Bible training and engagement is uh, for for pastors because so many pastors preach I, I don't know if it's the right way of describing it, but I would say devotionally, where we find a text, we jump to an application. How does this preach? The old, the old preacher adage: "Oh, that'll preach!" Right? You hear, a, you hear a quote or a song or a passage, and you get a take on it. Oh, that'll preach! And and we sort of jump into the pulpit, looking at this text through the eyes of my congregation, mm. before we look at the text through the eyes of the author and and his right. original audience. And so then we miss the context, we miss the nuance. And when we step out of our framework of this, this is how I learned it in Sunday school. This is how, you know, you know, grandpa Joe taught me, right. or this is what we, what we learned when we were uh, growing up in, in our catechism or our Sunday school or whatever your background was. Right. And to be able to look at the text with fresh eyes, understand it in its context according to a genre, to find the main idea, the transformational intent. And what is the, that melodic line that carries the whole thing along, right? So so when we find that, now when we go back and look at those same familiar things, like something as, as familiar as right. uh, Psalm 23, now we're seeing it less from our own framework than from, okay, what is the text actually saying? And what is the author of this text actually saying to the recipients of this text. And now, how can we play that out in our daily living a, right. as we go through? Right, it?
1: that's why I think it's so important to break things, break these familiar passages down yeah. the way you did, Dave. Um, and and uh, so I, before I forget, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wanted to. Um, I'm just looking here at at some of the points that you covered on on Sunday um, from the program, and I know the first thing that you touched on uh, within the passage was the leadership that. Um, the shepherd provides to to us. I'm hearing I'm hearing our podcast play on something there too. <laughs> Are you listening to it on something? Can you hear
0: him? Did, we lose him?
1: Did we lose you? My phone line is a little
2: bit choppy. All oh, of a sudden. That's okay. So Can um, you hear us? Okay. I'm moving to an, another undisclosed location. Okay. <laughs> that's okay try to get a little bit better reception. That's okay. Okay, let's give this a try.
1: Let's uh, give this a try. We can hear you just fine. Can you hear us? Yes. Okay, great. Okay, so I wanted to touch on um, the, the leadership aspect that you started out with on Sunday because right when I got home uh, from church on Sunday, I was looking at Facebook, and um, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you if I remembered. Somebody that uh, I follow or am friends with apparently, they posted uh, a status and the the it was one sentence and it said, everybody on earth is born an atheist. And <laughs> we can, without getting into the definition of whatever, um, I started to read some of the comments on that, uh, that people were making on that.
0: You know, that's gonna get me fired up
1: now. Well, just calm down. <laughs> calm down people, calm just
0: down. calm down. Um,
1: so some of the comments uh, were Stupid, but what one person said, um, Yeah, maybe, but we all also are kind of dumb and we need some kind of guidance. We need something or someone to keep us in line. And, you know, they weren't necessarily talking about god but uh as you mentioned uh your uh, bob dylan song on on sunday you have to serve something <laughs> and yeah.
0: maybe the devil or maybe the lord right so it's just interesting
1: that, that struck me as interesting after hearing uh your sermon that even people who don't necessarily believe uh it's, i think it's a, a universal truth that we all recognize that we need something to follow and 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 that just kind of struck me as wow, who are you going to choose to follow? Because if you're not following Christ, you're going to end up following something, and it could be a very tangible thing like money or uh, your career or whatever. So just just the timing of that kind of struck me as as interesting um, when you were talking about the the leadership of the shepherd.
0: It's a fairly good chance that Stacey's going to write a song about this. Now.
1: Maybe. <laughs>
2: I think she's more than halfway there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is true. I, you know, you know, Augustine talked about our hearts were, were made for, for God, and, and we don't find rest until uh, we rest in him. I, the, the, we who know the biblical story know that we were created to worship. Mm. We were created in the image of our creator and made to live in covenant relationship with him. Our hearts worship. So, right. you know, it, whether someone recognizes that in the unbelieving world or not, we can observe it. And mm. I, I happen to quote a couple of folks um, at the beginning of the message who have observed it, and, and, and particularly um, the author, David Foster Wallace, who's was not a believer, and, and uh, but recognize that, you know, we go after our hearts attached to something. We pursue something. Right. We might not call it a God. Right. Uh, but it is functionally a god and so where are you looking for meaning where are you looking for satisfaction and then ultimately you know that's your god that is going to be your shepherd it's gonna it's gonna be the thing that leads you and guides you that you pursue um and it it just struck me again studying psalm 23 and, and i you know began the message this way this is a psalm of david okay who was david but David was the shepherd of Israel. God made him shepherd, and he is the great. Uh, he is the epitome. He 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 was the greatest king of Israel. He right. is the picture of of ultimately the King Jesus Christ. And yet he said to the Lord, "Lord, you are my shepherd, and in, in you I lack nothing. I need I need a shepherd. I am right. just." a dumb sheep, right. I need a shepherd. Right. Lord God, Yahweh, you are
1: my shepherd. And we're all just dumb sheep when it comes down to it.
0: Well, right? having raised sheep, uh, you know, when you pointed out how dumb sheep are, that is something that my mother's been saying for a very long time, that God did not choose a, a, a an analogy in the animal kingdom that makes us look good. <laughs> These are dumb animals. Yeah. Who are very vulnerable. Just look at a
2: the sheep. They're, they're funny looking. They're, they're kind of big blobs with, with tiny little legs. Look like they're going to tip over at any moment.
0: Well, and, and and the provision that God has made for them, again, I'll go off on the, the beauty of creation. But, you know, when you see a, a sheep's skin is extremely vulnerable. This mm. is why they have this heavy wool coat. Because it takes almost nothing for it to to pierce that skin, right. and in a sheep's skin, when it gets cut, it just like peels open. It just you know, it, it's like a peach, you know. And could have uh,
1: done without. And,
0: and it just it's a terrible, terrible thing. So they need to be protected, and right. God protects them obviously through that wool. But uh, that's a picture of who we are. We are in ourselves so weak and so vulnerable, and so in need of leadership and protection and provision. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the main idea that, that you presented or uh, what we call the core reality uh, at Real Life um, was that the Lord demonstrates that he is my good shepherd by abundantly providing all I need to rest in him. And uh, as I mentioned to, to you, Dave, and, and I actually sent the um, link for uh, the YouTube version of the service out to our folks at Real Life, uh, because this is such a direct contrast to what we're going to be looking at next week in, in numbers 11 1 to 3 uh, as <laughs> the people of Israel are you know they're they're three days into their journey I mean they just you spent ten chapters getting ready for this with everything in obedience and God is providing and setting them up and ordering their lives around his presence and they're three days in and no recorded hardships yet, but they're complaining about their hardships. And, and as you're going into this, it's the exact opposite of what David is talking about here in in God's demonstrated provision. He's given everything that we need in order to rest in him. So now while they're sitting in camp in, in Israel as they're at the foot of Mount Sinai getting ready to go to the promised land, this is awesome, right? We're all so excited about it. And then, you know, the moment we start moving our feet, it's like, oh, no, this is too hard. It's right. <laughs> such a picture of, of who we are that we need to be resting in the shepherd. And as we rest in him, uh, you know, the the three points just to, you know, lay these out here and, and hopefully as we discuss them, they'll, they'll come out. Uh, the three points that, that came out from it was from the first uh, a couple of verses. I mean, verse one is really a summary of the whole thing. Uh, verses two and three, our Shepherd provides leadership that we would follow Him. We see that th- what you just mentioned, the the leadership, Stacy, and and it's it is our responsibility. The reason for that leadership is for us to follow Him. Right. And then, secondly, the in uh, verse four, our Shepherd uh, provides His presence that we should trust Him, which is that is the thing. It's not just His hand of blessing, but it's it's His face of presence, and we see that. Uh, so repeatedly in the book of Numbers, that, so it's such a parallel there, but but his presence gives us reason; it gives us cause to trust him. He's demonstrated this. He is he's a shepherd who doesn't just show up and you know right. here here trust me blindly. Right there is no picture of blind faith in the scriptures at all it's you know it, there's this demonstration and recording and demonstration and recording and so as the word is passed on as the torah is passed on as, as you see the 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 word of the prophets they're appealing to the fact that god has done we, we can see we can observe it and he's given us himself he's been with us straight along let us out of Egypt, led us to the promised land, provided for us. They're reminded of this in the Passover Seder every year as, as they talk about, if God had not done this, but he just done this part, it would be sufficient. Right. This, this this would be enough with what he had already given us. So there's cause for us to trust him. And then third in verses five and six, uh, our shepherd provides covenant love that, that we would rest in him. So it's the leadership for the purpose of following the presence for the purpose of trusting and that covenant love. And, 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 uh, you know, I think we can't read the old Testament without seeing, uh, that concept of covenant throughout. It's not just that God loves everybody. It's that there's this specific special covenant love for his own, for those who belong to him and are joined with him in this covenant. And there is a call to rest, that he makes me lie down in green pastures. So, Dave, I've just kind of tried to recap your points here. I'm going to let you do more talking now because otherwise it never ends when I start.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 Rich, it was <laughs> Rich hearing you <laughs> repeat those, even as I'm I'm looking at Psalm 23 in front of me as as you're walking us through it. Um, you know, Rich, you know that when you're stating the main idea, or you guys call it the core reality, is that what you called it? Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that core reality. I, I love that. I love that term reality. Um, the, the Bible is about reality. Right. And you know that we strive to be clear, uh, concise, and complete. And I, I, I didn't feel like the, the main idea as I gave it the core reality was very uh, concise. Uh, I felt like it could have been shorter, but I, but I wanted to get that demonstrate word right. in there to make it complete.
0: Well, but and you know song, firsthand David it's hard to showing, do all three. What's that? You know firsthand it's hard to do all three with those.
2: Yeah, it's, it's nearly impossible. Yeah. When, you get, when you get complete and concise, right. those words work against each other. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's, it's sort of the trick. It's sort of the getting good at the craft of, of writing sermons or writing Bible lessons. Mm. Uh, but I, I felt like the... The reality of the lord demonstrates because as you walk through this psalm you know it's all what the lord is doing Hmm. he makes me lie down he leads me he restores me he leads me he is with me he prepares the table he anoints um you know it's it's this wonderful intimate interplay between uh the lord as shepherd and his child as the sheep, and even that image that David chose—yeah, he was a shepherd, um, so he knew this. Re- he knew the he knew the picture that he was using to communicate the reality. But you have lots of psalms that talk about the Lord is our King, right. the Lord is our refuge, the Lord is our rock, and yeah. as images, and, and we're working in biblical poetry. Its images really carry the communication and the message don't they yeah. uh here he he switched and he chose shepherd mm. and that now that that opens up a whole other aspect of who our god is mm. he's caring he's loving um, mm. you know he, he's he's there with us i mean you think about a shepherd as compared to i don't know Maybe a herder of maybe maybe someone who's a dairy farmer.
0: Yeah, when right. you think of like a cattle uh, drive in the old westerns, sleeping you know. in the
2: barn. Yeah, you know, with the, with the cows. Yeah, but the shepherd is sleeping out in the wild with the sheep. Right. There's a, there's just a level of care um, that this this picture of our God communicates.
0: There was a book back in the nineties by uh, uh, a man called Stu Weber. It was a, a I don't know if you remember it, it was a men's ministry book uh, that was called Tender Warrior. Oh, yeah. And that's the I picture that. that when you see this, uh, this shepherd King picture, and, and again, David is a type of that as we see it. I think you mentioned earlier, Dave, the, the, that he's the shepherd, the King is the shepherd of the people. Uh, and, and as we see this picture play out, that there's a tenderness in right. shepherding that's right. different. And yet there is a rod and a staff. And I appreciated that you brought that out in the sermon, that there's a, there is a, a rod of protection and a staff of correction that, that goes along with this. We don't always like that. And, and I think especially in modern evangelicalism, we run away from those things.
1: But the word, the way it's played out is, your rod and staff comfort right. me. And we don't think of yes. those things as yeah, comforting. That's right. So that's interesting.
0: Sociologically, we see that with children as well. Children right. want right. boundaries and they want discipline. They right. will rebel against it, but children who don't have
1: that right.
0: find themselves dealing with anxiety in a right. different way right. than children who are regularly disciplined and have right. clear boundaries. Right. So there's, there is comfort mm-hmm. in those things that our flesh doesn't desire, but and maybe I'm I'm overreaching from a sociological perspective. I don't think I am from a biblical perspective, to say that it's our flesh that rebels against the rod and the staff, but it's the image of God in us that longs for that, that cries out for that, right. that, that we want to follow the shepherd, even though we don't want to follow the shepherd. R.C. Sproul talks about that with sin as a as a as a Christ follower, as a regenerate person. Do you want to sin? No, I, I hate sin. I don't want to sin. Well, right. why do you sin? Because I really want to sin. Right. You know, there's that, that tension that we deal with.
1: Right. And Dave, I'm not, I don't want to rush you or anything, but I just want to let you know we got about a minute and a half left. Oh,
0: no Sorry problem. for bogarting the mic there.
1: Yeah, that,
2: you know, that, I appreciate Stacey how you bring out you know, the term comfort. It, it seems um, antithetical and yet, and yet it's not because it, we you think about the whole, um, sort of reality of of the Lord's discipline right. in the Scripture, and, and and when we as believers faithfully follow our Shepherd through the the hard things and the difficulties of our lives, and don't necessarily perhaps just try to get out of it, but but mm. press into it, right, and sure. press into the Lord's provision in those when we. When he brings us through the other side, the other side, the shadow of the the, the valley of the shadow of death, um, we look back and say, wow, God really used that. And I don't want to go through it again. Right. And it didn't feel good. But I have to I have to say the Lord used that in my life to do some things that. That apparently wouldn't have gotten done otherwise right. or he wouldn't have taken me through that
1: absolutely well dave i feel like we could talk a lot more yeah. about this but we try to keep oh, it in sure. 30 minutes but i want to thank you again for for joining us and for preaching on sunday and for anybody who has not uh, heard dave's message from this last week uh you can find it on our youtube or facebook page real life youtube or facebook page um it will be on the podcast following this we had a little uh filing issue with it but it'll be on so thank you dave again for for joining us today
2: my pleasure guys thanks so much for having me
1: thank you and we will catch everybody next time